All right, well, good morning, Trace. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody feeling good to be here? Everybody glad to be here? I'm glad to be here. Hopefully, you're glad to be here. Always excited to be in church to celebrate and elevate the name of Jesus together, and so thanks for being here, uh, especially for those of you that this is your first time. Welcome. Thanks for accepting the invitation or however it is that you heard about us. Thanks for coming and uh, being a part of this gathering with us. This is just a small part of what we do as a church, but we're thankful that you are a part of this gathering with us this morning. Hey, I've got so much that I want to communicate really quick, even before I get to my sermon, some things that I'm incredibly excited about, and so just give me a moment, and I'm going to uh, convey some things to you that I think are really important, beginning with our celebration of our three-year anniversary here in two weeks. On September 8th, we actually celebrate our three-year anniversary as a church. And it's not uncommon for me to talk to someone who comes here and it's like, you guys are you know, only two years old or two and a half years old or only three years old. And it's because of the unrealistic story that God has uh, been telling through this place and through you. And so I want to say thanks for being a part of that. But uh, yeah, on September 8th here in a couple of weeks, we're going to be celebrating. We're going to be calling it this right here, I Heart My Church Weekend. And that'll make more sense when you come and when you're a part of that celebration with us. And so I don't uh, just want to invite you to make sure that you're uh, going to come and be a part of that, but I also want to encourage you to invite someone else to come and be a part of that with us. And we do have a gift that we're going to give everyone that day. That day. Uh, we're going to give them one of these smoking hot shirts. And so if you were here a couple weeks ago, uh, that you know that I communicated that we're going to start changing some of our focuses as a church. And we're no longer just going to be a church in this city, but we're going to be a church for this city. And so we put an initiative behind that called iHeart719. And so on September 8th, we're going to give you one of these shirts and they're going to become our serving shirts. And so when we do a service project together, which we're not going to call a service project, we're going to call it a 719 project. We're going to wear these shirts together to remind us that God loves the people of Colorado Springs. And because God loves the people of Colorado Springs, we are going to love the people of Colorado Springs specifically by serving them however God sees fit for us to serve them. And so that's one of the things that I'm excited about. So make sure you come and that you're a part of that. The other thing that I want to communicate, communicate to you right now is something that we have truly been chewing on for about two years. And we feel like now is the right opportunity to implement this. And it's called the Dollar Club. Now, the Dollar Club is something that we're going to do. And really, all I need you to do and what I'm going to ask of you to help make this a reality is I need you to bring $1 above and beyond what you already give. And so if you give $100 a week, then bring $101. $200 a week, then bring $201. You can do the math. And so what I need you to do is do that. And here, here's the deal. Like, we're going to fully expect that you are going to do this. In other words, if 500 people show up in here on a Sunday, we're going to take $500 out of the offering and put it into the Dollar Club Fund, and it has one specific purpose. The reason we're putting this fund together is to be a blessing in someone's life to have an act of generosity with no strings attached. And so what we will do is keep our ear to the ground of needs that arise in our community that we feel like we would like to get involved in, things that uh, maybe an immediate need that we think we can meet. Now, in light, there was one caveat, in light of our three-year anniversary, since we're kicking this off on our three-year anniversary, I'm not just going to ask that you bring one dollar that day. I'm going to ask that you bring... You guys pick up on this really fast. You're smart. You're smart. So yes, I'm going to ask that you bring $3 that day, and we already know uh, where we want our first dollar club initiative to go to. A couple weeks ago when we were down at Mark Twain Elementary serving, uh, we noticed that the teacher's lounge there um, was maybe not a place the teachers really wanted to lounge in. And so uh, we decided that we want to renovate that space without them knowing it. Now, the principal knows that she comes to our church. And so she's going to set up the right time, and we don't have that specific date in mind yet, but when we do, 
uh, when we do get that date, we'll let you know uh, when it is, and if you want to help out with it, then uh, we'll get you signed up to be able to help out with that. And so we just want to show these teachers, like, hey, there's a church thinking about you. There's a church that's for you. There's a church that wants to see you succeed. And yes, we're, we'll do, it may not be much, but we're going to create a space for you that you'll want to hang out in when you get a chance to take a break throughout the day. Now, since I'm on that subject, I want to do something that I should have done last week, but I didn't, and so I want to do it now. If you're a teacher with us, uh, we want to celebrate you and we want to pray for you. So if you're a teacher, would you just stand to your feet really quick? Will you do that? Teachers, where you at? Yeah, stand to your feet, stand to your feet, stay standing. I want to take an opportunity for you to sit down. Stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. I want to take an opportunity just to pray over you really quick. Father, thank you for these guys. Thank you for the commitment they put into investing in our next generation. And God, I pray your favor over their lives. I pray that you give them perseverance when they need it, clarity when they need it, wisdom when they need it. And God, that you would uh, just multiply their efforts through speaking into these kids' lives. And uh, Lord, we know that sometimes there may be a kid among them that needs... Uh, Maybe just needs a different you know, type of approach. Maybe needs a different voice in their life. And God, I pray that you give them a hyper sense of discernment to see those kids that maybe just need some more love and grace and truth spoken into their lives and that you would just, again, pour out your favor among them. And so, God, we're so thankful for them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Let's give it up one more time for our teachers. Thank you guys so much for what you do. Well, today we're continuing in this deep and wide series where we've been casting vision and communicating some adjustments that we feel like God has been calling us to make as a church. And so a couple of weeks ago when we kicked this off, I talked to you about how we are going to be a church for the city and not just in this city. And one of the main steps that we're taking in that direction right now is to adopt a school that I just mentioned to you, Mark Twain Elementary. And then last week I got up here and I talked to us about Man, what if, like, what, like a big what if kind of statement in front of us. What if all of us just got a little bit more involved in this church? Just, just a little bit more involved in this church. And I talked to specifically some of you about how maybe you've dismissed yourself. Maybe you've disqualified yourself because you're like, I really don't have anything to offer. And I assured you that you do. And so I said, man, I don't need you to bring anything that you don't have. I just need you to bring you, I, I just need you to bring what you have. Just come with what you have. God can use that. Just bring what you have. And we talked about, man, if we would all just do that, the amount of influence that we could leverage as a church would be a game changer. It would be a game changer for what people would experience when they came here. It would be a game changer on what we could do to make a huge impact in this community. Now today is going to be a little bit different because instead of talking to you about an adjustment that I feel that we need to make as a church, I want to talk about your life. And I want to talk about an, a, a potential adjustment that you need to make in your life today. And I truly believe that if you will make this decision, the decision that we're going to be talking about, if you'll make this decision, that it will potentially, maybe like you'll get at the other end of this year and you'll look back and you will see this decision as potentially the decision that you made that brought the most value into your life. And so let me begin with this question. If there were a better way to do life, would you be interested? If there were a better way to do life, would you be interested? Hold that thought. As a church, one of the things that we have, and this probably is a Captain Obvious statement, but one of the things that we've decided that we're going to celebrate above and beyond anything else is when someone comes to Jesus, when someone finds saving faith in Christ, when someone says yes to Jesus. And we believe that every life change for Jesus is worth celebrating. Now, if you've been coming here for any amount of time, you also know that there are three primary focuses that we have as a church, and we call these our three asks 
And every time I say asks, I try to enunciate that really well for a good reason. So the three asks that we have as a church is that we want everyone in a group, that we want everyone on a team. We talked about that a little bit last week. And we want everyone investing in the next generation. Now let me pause and hit on that one really quick. We want everyone investing in the next generation. Next week we're going to be talking about this. And there's something that you need to know that you might not know, and that is this. If you are 23 years old or younger, you actually are no longer a millennial. There's actually a new generation that has now been put into place. And I find this stuff fascinating. I've been reading a lot on these generations, and uh, this is something that I've learned about here recently. Uh, The generation that is now the 23-year-olds and younger is called Generation Z. And I need to let you know this, and we're going to be talking about this next week. If If we want to reach that generation, if we want to reach that generation, we're going to have to start thinking differently. We're going to have to start doing some things differently. And one of the statements that I keep coming back to that I hope that you would find resonance in is, what are we not willing to do? What are we not willing to do to reach this next generation? And so we're going to be talking about that next week, so keep that in mind. Make sure you come back and hear that. But for today, I specifically want to talk to you about this, how we want everyone here at Trace, everyone in a group, You see, as a church, we determined a long time ago that this wasn't just going to be something that we offer. In other words, you know, groups or small groups or life groups or neighbor groups, whatever you've called them in the past, it wasn't just going to be another program, right? I mean, you grow, if you grew up in the church, you know, it's like, hey, this is just something else that's offered. This is something you could do. And we determined that we don't want to just be a church that offers groups. We want to be a church made up of groups. In other words, a big part, a big part of experiencing Christ in this church will be in group life. A big part of experiencing this church will be doing life with others. And guys, you get this. I mean, real life doesn't happen with what you're experiencing now. Real life doesn't happen sitting in rows. Real life doesn't happen by looking at the back of someone's head all Sunday morning. Real life happens in circles like this. Real life happens in homes and around tables, sharing meals together, and yes, sharing pain together. Real life happens when we study the word of God together and we serve together. Real life happens when we go a layer deeper and we invite someone into the behind the scenes story of our life. Real happen, I'm sorry, real life happens when someone shares with you a struggle and you're able to say, you know what, me too. Real life happens when we stop hiding from the reality and the brokenness of our life And we allow others to come alongside of us and encourage us and pray for us so that we can find healing. And this is exactly what God had in mind when he created this church. Last week I shared with you a sentiment. And I said, as your pastor, uh, I want you to know that I don't want anything from you. But I do want something for you. And that same sentiment can be true from your Heavenly Father. He doesn't want anything from you, but he does want something for you. And listen to me, a lot of what he wants for you is found in deeper, more meaningful relationships. It's found with putting some like-minded people around you who are pursuing Christ with you that can help prop you up when life feels a little bit shaky, can encourage you and pray for you and share share with celebration but share with pain. That's what God intended when he put his church together, this movement called the church. And we see this from the very beginning of creation. When God was creating this beautiful world, he would get to the other end of a creation and he would say, it's good. 
then he would create something else and he would say it's good. But then we get to a point where he actually creates something and he says it's not good. He had created a cat. No, I'm kidding. That's not true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's good. Okay, let's stay with me. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God says it's not good for man to be alone. See, he created Adam and noticed that he was alone. He said, this is not good. This is not what I intended. And so God created a relationship, a companion, an ally. He created a woman. And can we just give, like, guys, can we give a shout of praise to God for creating women? Can we just give it a, yeah. Yep, I still look at my woman and say, whoa, man, mm, 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 mm. All right, all right sorry, getting sidetracked here. But let's keep it real, okay? Let's keep it real. And a big part of our conversation this morning, I don't want it to be like spiritual speak. I, I want to keep this conversation real because even though God created us to not be alone, sometimes being alone is good, isn't it? And all God's introverts said, yeah, amen. Yeah, sometimes it's good to be alone. Emily and I love, adore our four kids, but if any, either one of us has ever left too long with them on our own, when the other one like comes home, it's like, I, I need to be alone. Like, I just need to get away for a little bit. I need to, like, I need to be alone, because if I don't, like, I'm going to lay hands on one of them, and it's not going to be for prayer. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, sometimes like, being alone is good. So we get this, right? We get this, that sometimes being alone is a good thing. So what is God actually talking about then? I believe he's talking about this. I believe he's talking about life in isolation. I read the other day that isolation is the enemy of transformation. And friends, I think there's a lot of truth in that. Because life in Christian community is not only a better way to do life, it was God's intended way for you to do life. Solomon figured this out, and it took him some time. If you know the story of Solomon, man, he, he had everything, and he had all this world had to offer and more, and he obtained so much, but as he gets to the end of his life or further into his life, he gets to this point where he starts to look at all these things that he's, he has obtained, and he's like, it's meaningless. Like, th there wasn't as much value in these things that I thought there was, but one of the things that he realizes that there was more value in is in relationships, deep, meaningful relationships. Let me show you what he said. He says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. I love that imagery. And three... They're even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Now listen to me, again, because as we keep this conversation real, yes, it was never God's intended purpose for you to do life alone. But listen to me, it was also not God's intended purpose for you to invite a bunch of people into the behind-the-scenes story of your life. I bet many of us, if not all of us, at some point have probably had some kind of relationship, some kind of friendship that went south where we had allowed somebody maybe a layer deeper in our life and they used it against us. And so that puts a reservation inside of us, doesn't it? Maybe the more sophisticated way that I've said this before in the past is, you don't need to tell your crap to everyone, but you need to tell it to someone. And so as we approach this this morning, I want to be clear. Like Again, I don't want to get caught up in spiritual speak where it's just like, yeah, just jump in and, and start doing life with people and let them know everything about your life. No, I don't think that's reality. 
but jumping in with a group of people and doing life with them and allowing them, maybe just a few of them, in a little bit more deep into your life, into what's really happening in the behind-the-scenes footage of your life, I believe that can bring healing. And again, just to be clear, like isolation, isolation doesn't mean you don't have friends. Isolation doesn't mean you don't know anyone, but it does mean that you're not fully known. Isolation means that even though we have a lot of these surface friendships, there's nobody that really knows what's happening in our life. And let me be clear, God created you to be fully known by at least someone. And so what happens is when people find themselves in a season of isolation, they often feel stuck. They feel weak. And they feel lonely. And you know what that is a perfect recipe for? The enemy. The enemy loves to find you isolated. The enemy loves isolation when there's nobody around you to help discern and kind of define what truth is and where your thoughts are and where they're going and and what's happening in your life and how to navigate the storms of your life. We're going to be talking about that more later. When we don't have that around us, you become a perfect target for the enemy. Let me remind you of what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And this is real. And you need to know that this is real. But can we also agree this morning that sometimes the stuff that we put ourselves through, that we may even claim as spiritual warfare when it's actually just a shortage of wisdom. So if you'll allow me to get in your face a little bit, I want to let you know this morning that choosing to go after this life alone is foolish. Choosing to go after this life alone to navigate our sin, our setbacks, our scars, our screw-ups, all by ourselves. We are not exercising wisdom. We're also being disobedient to the life that God has called us to live, that Jesus has called us to live. And we don't like to talk about this word often, right? This idea of being disobedient kind of it makes us feel uncomfortable because we feel like we've done something wrong or we're doing something wrong. But let me remind you of what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6. He says, share in each other's burdens. And in this way, you obey the law of Christ. Another version of the Bible says you fulfill the law of Christ. But here Paul says, share in each other's burdens, and in this way you obey the law of Christ. For if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I love how Paul has a way with words. Now, even though this is an important part, this idea of sharing in each other's burdens, carrying each other's burdens, and doing life with people, and in the good and in the bad, and uh, helping people navigate through some of the bigger trials of their life, like all of this is an important aspect of Christian community. And one of the reasons why I believe you need to get in a group today, but it's not the only reason. Let me build this for you. You see, one of the reasons why we want to be in life with other like-minded people pursuing Christ to get together is to strengthen our resolve. Let me explain this. When you don't put other people around you and beside you and sometimes even in front of you that will encourage you and that will come around you in the direction of Jesus, we leave ourselves exposed. And we become more susceptible to the current of this culture, the path of popular opinion that says, of course this is how you're supposed to think. Of course this is what you're supposed to watch. Of course this is what you're supposed to do. Let me illustrate this by pointing back to a, an experiment they did um, as, several years ago, many years ago. And it was called the Solomon Ash Experiment. 
And so what they did in this is they took 50 college students, males specifically, and they showed them this picture right here. Now, one of the things that one of the uh, test subjects didn't know or one of the guys didn't know is that everyone else in the room was actually told to say that A was the same as this line. When they said, hey, what, what, which, which of these lines is the same as this line? Everyone except one person was told to pick A to see if the guy that was in there as the test subject would conform to the majority. And what they figured out is once there was at least five or more people in the room that would choose A when C was the clear answer, don't miss this, 75% of the time the person would conform. Even though it's obvious that A is not the same is this line, they would still conform with the majority. Now, maybe even more interesting, one of the things that happened is if they would put just one more person in the room with the test subject to choose the correct answer to say, no, 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 C is the same as this, 80% of the time that person would not conform to the majority. They would go along with their ally. And so what they gathered from this experiment is this. Apparently, people conform for two main reasons because they want to fit in the group, that's normative influence, and because they believe that group, uh, they believe the group is better informed. This is very interesting to me. They believe the group is better informed than they are, and that's called informational influence. I want to talk about this with you because I think this is like, we need to pick on this a little bit. Guys, as your pastor, for those of you that have been coming for a while, I think, I hope you know this. I can't know for sure, but I hope you know this. And for those of you that Maybe you're coming for the first time. I hope you get to know this, that I take very seriously being your pastor. And one of the things that I take incredibly seriously is making sure that you're informed. Informed on what God's word teaches and also how easy it is to drift towards conformity and to be carried off into the current of this culture. It happens so fast. And so allow me to both inform you and warn you that you need someone. You need someone to stand with you, an ally. Better yet, you need a group of people who are willing to pursue the convictions of Christ over the conformity of this culture. And I've been watching more and more people, and throughout the history of me being in ministry, I've watched so many people that have gotten caught up in the current of culture where it's just like, well, this is just what you do. This is just what you do. This is just what happens, and they get caught up in this. And I wonder sometimes, how different their stories would have been if they just would have had some people around them that could hold them accountable, that would walk with them even through their screw-ups, that would encourage them in the direction of Jesus. I wonder how different those stories would have been. And I want to remind you of one of the more ominous statements that Jesus made when he walked here on earth. These are the kind of passages that we like to gloss over. He says this in Matthew chapter 7. He says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name. We performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, this is Jesus talking, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Now, is Jesus communicating perfection here? Like, we don't have any room to screw up? Like, if we, like, once we're out, we're out? No, that would go against the covenant of grace that he came to establish. So what is he saying? He's saying that just knowing him and knowing who he is, it's not enough. 
that he's asking us to build a different foundation for our lives, that he's asking us to have different types of convictions, different from what the current of this culture is trying to take you towards, that we're supposed to keep our eyes on him. And yes, listen, we will stumble and we will be humbled along the way, but we are pursuing him and he's asking, I need you to build a different foundation, which is exactly what he talks about next in verse 24. He says this, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in and the torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it was built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Do you know what I've come to learn about storms? They don't discriminate. And because they don't discriminate, that means you're likely either in one right now, maybe you've recently come out of one, or you're headed towards one and you just can't see it yet. I think storms are maybe one of the most consistent things in each of our lives, and we can't change the circumstances of that, but what we can change, and what we can choose today is how we choose to navigate those storms. You can go at it alone if you want, or you can step into what you were called to live in, Christian community. You can allow other people to come around you to help hold you steady as you're navigating the storms of your life. And oftentimes what happens, stay with me here, oftentimes what happens is we'll be over here and we'll be at a point in our life and things are going good and maybe things are going good for you right now. And so because things are going good, you really don't need, you don't see the need to have those kind of people around you. You don't see the need to have that kind of strong community around you. But what you can't see here is that over here, maybe it's a year from now, maybe it's six months from now, maybe it's five years from now that you're going to be in a situation, that you're going to be in a storm that you're not going to be able to navigate alone. And the only thing worse than being in a storm is to be in it alone. And so today I'm asking you, I'm actually begging you to not choose to go at this life alone, to live and to step into your calling. You're calling to live in Christian community, to have people around you that can help prop you up and to help you navigate through those storms, but also so that you can help other people navigate through the storms of your life. Friends, I'm asking you to step into your calling. And so today what I'm encouraging you to do is make a big decision. I want you to choose community over isolation, to choose Christ over conformity, to choose to weather your storms with wisdom by putting other people around you. Today, I want you to get in a group and step into your calling to live in Christian community. You were created for community, and Christian community will deter from conformity, and it'll allow you to weather the storms of your life, not being foolish and building a foundation that this, this culture and this world is causing you or encouraging you to build, but in, instead building a foundation on Jesus and people around you that are pursuing him as well. Or, for those of you that like an or, or you can just keep doing life the way you're doing it. How's that working for you? You can keep going at this life alone if you want. I mean, let's get real because some of us have had those relationships. Maybe we've even tried to get in groups before in the past and it's like, man, it did not go well. And so you're a little timid to step back into that particular type of environment. Again, listen, I get it. And so maybe the safe play is to just stay on the sidelines. Maybe the safe play is just to not step in and keep going at life alone the way that you've been doing it up till now, but I want to remind you of something, maybe teach you something that you've never thought of, because what I've learned is staying where you are 
It doesn't keep you safe. It just keeps you the same. Somebody needs to write that down. Staying where you are doesn't keep you safe, but it will keep you the same. And so today as a church, we've worked really hard over the last several months to put 15 different groups in place. People that have gone through training and that are ready to invite you into their home to be a part of a Christian community. And the three things that we highlight in every single one of our groups, we call it group life here at Trace, is that we want to share together. Yes, share with our burdens, share with the pains of life, but also share in the celebrations and the successes of life. We want to share with that. We want you to serve together, and we want you to study the Word of God together. Share, study, and serve. That's the primary focus of getting you into a group and what we want you to experience. We've got some specific groups that some of you can get in. We've got a college age group. We have a 20-somethings group, a men's group. We have a mom's group, and then we have several other groups that are just uh, open for the rest of us ordinary folks. And so you've got an opportunity today, 15 different groups that are open, people that are ready to invest in your life and to allow you to invest in theirs. And so my hope is that you'll not try to play it safe, but step into your calling because you were created. Listen to me. You were created for Christian community. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for uh, this morning. And Lord, I know that there's going to be some hesitation uh, that may be there for obvious reasons, may be there for really good reasons. And God, I pray that you would remove that hesitation. For the people in here that have, uh, well, maybe they find themselves today like in a good place, a good spot in life. I really don't need that. And God, I pray that you would use the words that you have spoken through me this morning. Remind them, maybe they don't need it right now. It doesn't mean they still weren't created for it, but it definitely is still something they're going to need in the near future when a storm catches them off guard. And so, Father, I pray for courage this morning for people to step forward and into a group. And God, I just pray that you would lead the right people to the right groups. We get this. Like this, There's something that you can do that is beyond me, Lord, which is connecting the right people together because some, some people will fit in certain groups better than others. And so, God, would you just kind of wire uh, your influence in the midst of all of that and allow the right people to fall in the right groups. And so, God, we love you, and again, just pray that you encourage everyone in this room and remind them that this is what you've created them for. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We're now going to enter into a time of response, and we do this every single week. And the reason we do this every week is because we don't ever want to lose sight of the cross. I don't know about you, but even as a pastor, I lose sight of the cross. I lose sight of uh, what Jesus has done for me from time to time because I get caught up in, in life and even in ministry. Ministry will even cause me to lose sight of the cross at times. And so one of the things we want to make sure we do here every week is remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so we take a cracker that represents his broken body and we dip it in a cup of juice that represents his blood that was spilled out for us for the forgiveness of our sins. And this is for those of you that have already put your faith and trust in Jesus. And so if you've made that decision, this is for us. For those of you that have not yet made that decision, I would encourage you to just think about some things that you've heard this morning, maybe a lyric in a song that we sang earlier, and allow uh, God to minister to you in a way that only he can. And if you'd, love, if you'd like to talk more about a relationship with Christ, like, again, that's the thing that we're going to celebrate more than anything around here. We'd love to talk with you. Make sure you make your way to guest services at the end of our time together. This is also a time if you have a prayer request, we have two tables in the back. You can go back and, and write out that prayer request, and we'd love to pray for you. I'm going to pray for us right now, and then I'll encourage you to respond. God, how quickly 
we lose sight of the most important things. How quickly we lose sight of the cross, how quickly we lose sight of what Jesus has done for us and the fact that he was willing to leverage his life so that we could have it. Father, I pray that it's not just a Sunday morning that we're reminded of that, that you would remind us of that throughout the week, that it's a reminder that we are on a new mission because of what Christ did for us by defeating death, that you have started this thing called your church, and it's not something we come to, it's a people that we are, and you have a purpose for that, and you have a calling in our lives to live out throughout our week, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our families. And so God reminds us of the cross every day. And as we take this moment to remember that, I pray that you minister to everyone in here, God, that they would feel your presence in a way that they need to feel your presence now. Maybe it doesn't have anything to do with this message. And so, Father, we pray for your spirit to fall in this place in this very moment and do what only you can do. We pray this in Jesus' name.